Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Ghost Spider Groupies, the podcast dedicated to Gwen Stacy of Earth 65, also known as Spider Gwen and Ghost Spider, where we review her comics, discuss news, and give our opinions about all things Gwen 65. I'm Pax. And I'm Abigail. Um, and this week, we have very, 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 very special guests in... Would you would you like to introduce yourself, special guest? Oh, yeah. It's me. It's Evan. Evan Von Doom. The Evan Von Doom. Here I am. Yeah, yeah. From, 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 from many <laughs> things and from being very cool. Man, let me, list, let me list all the ways. You know me from Twitter.com. You might have known me from Facebook, but hopefully not. Uh, uh, I got a podcast now uh, called What's Next? A comic book podcast. So you might know me from that. You might know me from uh shoot uh oh shoot i feel like i should have more things on my resume from linkedin <laughs> you might recognize me <laughs> a big there and um you know from your mom's house oh <laughs> i'm sorry uh, listeners um fantastic four fans might be uh familiar with um the piece of trivia that the character uh dr doom was actually named after uh evan von doom um a little known is it true yeah a lot of people get it mixed up the other way around, but it's um, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, this week uh, we're we're not we're not reading a comic for the first time ever. We're discussing a film. Um, I'm really really yes. excited and pleased to discuss uh, the Batman with everybody. Um, I am pumped. Oh, yeah. Really like that film. Oh my god! So excited to be here for this. Yes. I am the only one who hasn't seen the Batman out of the three of us. So <laughs> oh, my see the god. Batman. What are we going to record for the podcast then? <laughs> I had all my notes lined up about the Riddler and the two. Ooh, I can't, I can't say anymore. I guess. Ugh. Do we have a backup plan at least? We got, we got any Spider Gwen related films out there, maybe? Yep. Yeah. We are doing Spider Man Into the Spider Verse, which might be the greatest spider movie of all time. So take that, Spider Man 2. Okay, I can get on board with this. Yeah. Fuck you, Sam Raimi. <laughs> <laughs> honestly i think a lot of people might be saying no way home is their favorite spider-man film nowadays true that also might be true yeah so it could actually rival into the spider versus the greatest spider movie ever i i, I think i think that into the spider into the spider versus is my personal favorite spider-man film but i i understand people who say no way home i don't understand people who say spider-man 2 actually and I whoa yeah, i would definitely say spider-man 2 was my favorite until uh spider-verse came out Spider-Verse is a whole different level. I would respect Spider-Man 2, and I would respect... I would respect any Spider-Man movie except for Amazing Spider-Man 2, <laughs> as long as, you know, everyone's polite about it. Because there's, like, charm to Spider-Man 1. There's I love Spider-Man 3. I don't know why people hate it. Um, the Amazing Spider-Man is, like, a cool type of adaptation of it. And the other two Tom Holland ones are okay. <laughs> um, so I totally get if anyone says whatever is their favorite, but... I don't know. Nothing touches into the Spider Verse for me. Yeah, and animation is one of my first loves, so that's why I'm very partial to it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> also, a fair point. Yeah, you're a, you're an aspiring animator. Is that? Yeah, animator and or comic book artist, depending on which one I get snatched up first on. That's, that's some nice. <laughs> or both. Yeah, that's true. I can do both. Yeah, I feel like your portfolio can can work for either, right? Like. It's even to the point where I bought the art book for uh, Into the Spider Verse. That's how much nice. I love the movie. Ooh. Yeah, this 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 film honestly has some of the best like art, like just art generally for like comic book projects and stuff. Like in terms, of, especially in terms of adaptations. Um, no, it's every artist's dream come true. Into the Spider Verse. 
Yeah, it's uh, yeah, I, 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 and they 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 do a lot with the with the animation that's kind of like breaks a lot of like mainstream animation to try and give it a comic book feel. Say so that's right. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Also complete with the uh, you know the visual uh, sound effects. You know, you got the thwip, and um, that's my my favorite part is when this Miles throws the bagel and it just says bagel. <laughs> <laughs> They have, uh, yeah, I, I love that. They, they have the the reduced frame rate, so it's like it's a little bit like like it's choppier. The the movement seems. Yeah. And um, was the other thing? Occasionally, they'll actually throw a they'll actually draw a full frame, and they'll just throw it in there, like, and have that as and then and they like flash it up for like half a second instead of the actual animation, and then they'll carry on. Which is I haven't seen that anywhere. It's really really nifty. Um, yeah, it's, it's, this, is, this is honestly one of my favorite films just to watch. Like, it's just a very satisfying thing to watch. Very punchy. It, it, like, lights up all the right bits in my brain when I'm watching it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, it's from the same people who made the Lego movie. Yeah. Um, is it the same animation team? I'm not sure. I don't think so. And the animation team would have been under Warner Brothers for the Lego movie. Mm. But this is under uh, Sony's new animation. Yeah. So, so it might have the same... Some of the same team members, but I don't think so. I think I'm. Well, I'll see. I don't know. <laughs> I, th- I think I think the same people did uh, the Mitchells versus the Machines. Um, yes, yeah. that's true. I, and I will say the art in that is also very very good. It's a very good looking film. Yeah. And I also noticed there was a lot of like, uh, like there's a lot there's a lot you can you can tell there's some overlap in like the style, uh, the animation style is kind of unique maybe to that particular studio. Um, although here it's it, you know ends the Spider Verse is particularly comic booky. Um, I know normally we do a synopsis uh, for our episodes where we talk, we like like briefly like cover uh, what we're, we're going to talk about, but we kind of figured that yeah, there's no need. <laughs> there's no everyone and their grandma's <laughs> probably seen the movie, and if you haven't, you've had three years to see the movie, and if you didn't before listening to this, why are you here? Yeah, we we figure anybody who listens to this podcast has probably watched Spider Man Into the Spider Verse at some point in the last three months. Um, for the umpteenth <laughs> time, I I know I've watched it at least three or four times now, and um, yeah, is it's uh it's a very rewatchable film and pretty much like comic book comfort food um at this point um, so yeah, it's uh it's yeah, yeah. Hen- Henson's not doing a full breakdown of this. Uh, two hour how long is the film it's more like an hour and a half an hour and a half long film an hour and 57 minutes actually really yeah i don't know how i know that like off the top of my head we were just saying your brain is stored with with animation and casting and facts (laughs) and figures i guess it just time stamps for movies no i would be great (laughs) as a comic in the comic book shop as an advisor absolutely they should have you running the place well maybe not running the place just have um just be an assistant to the manager okay all right (laughs) um uh so um what we normally do for our um our our things is we will break down uh, what we think character by character um and because this is a spider gwen uh podcast um should we should we talk about gwen first or should we uh, yeah, yeah, naturally, yeah. yes. And I um I want to say one thing about Gwen, although this might be multiple things, but her costume 
is supposed to be sacred. They changed her chucks into ballet flats, and that's a big no-no from me. Like, like, um, like it's fine when you do Gwenum, or if you just do the gray paneling, like in Marvel Rising. That's all fine and dandy because those redesigns have uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, creative license. <laughs> well, well, creative license and um, damn it, what's the word I'm looking for? Rationale, yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, rationale. But you do not change her chucks into ballet flats, and she's not even a dancer in the comics. They change her into a dancer for the movie because you could see with the way that she fights, it looks like uh, she dance fights, but that's not her style in the comics. If you've been reading all of the comics, you do know it's kung fu freestyle. I, I, I feel that, and... I, you know, normally I'm the kind of person who's like, yeah, you can change stuff. You're like, you're allowed to kind of do what you want with your adaptation. Uh, like some of my favorite comic book films is like James Gunn comic book films, um, and he's like, he's just making OCs. Um, but uh, <laughs> with this, um, I just, you know, it's it's personal when it's Gwen, you know. Um, but it's uh, yeah, they 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 the the whole ballet thing, the whole ballerina. Uh, stuff doesn't yeah like you say just doesn't gel with a lot of the other facets of Gwen's character and it doesn't um it's it is cool like it like it looks cool when she ballet kicks yes yeah but should that's not that's not our Gwen that's not that's not Gwen 65 it's uh that's not her vibe yeah I should I should preface this by saying I'm not like the biggest Gwen Stacy fan so like it's not the hugest thing to me that they changed the character a little bit but I do agree that the ballet shoes don't have a rationale behind them, even in the movie. Like she still has the uh, punk rock aesthetic to her and kind of attitude. I don't think it's as much of an attitude as she has in the comics, but it's still a very like prominent part of her character and personality. And the ballet is kind of a very harsh foil or juxtaposition to that, where it's very elegant and very uh, showy. Versus where you see her, even when you see her on the drums for like a split second, it's not as flashy. It's a lot more chaotic. So I don't know that that juxtaposition was on purpose or if they just said, oh, she's a girl, so she should be in ballet. I don't know what happened there. That is not good rationale. I didn't say it's good rationale. I'm just saying that maybe is what they thought. Um, I do not know what they were thinking at all. I think the, the thought process was just, oh, how do we make her feel different from everybody else? And that's just what they ended on. Um, again, I don't think it's good rationale, but that's the only line of thinking I could think of. Yeah, this is even to the point when when I see other artists uh, draw Gwen with ballet flats, I die a little bit inside, just like the same way when I see artists draw symbiotes with toes. I'm like, no. Yeah, it's, it's one of those <laughs> it's one of those peeves. Would you guys be okay if? It was like combat boots or any other type of shoes besides ballet or chucks. I mean, my preference will be chucks, but so there's no middle ground. Combat boots, I think. I think anything which fits with the, like the rocker aesthetic would like something that feels okay. grungy, something that yeah. feels like punky, you know, would be fine. Anything that would fit her personality. Yeah, okay. I agree. Um, if, if I recall correctly, I, I do believe that one of the uh, Spider-Gwen creators, who shall not be named, who was actually looped in during the production of the film, said actually ended up commenting on it, um, something to the effect of like, 
um, you could sort of imagine a kind of tension in Gwen's upbringing where she she clearly wants to go one way with her style, but like her father would have made her do ballet lessons or something. Um, and I remember reading it and thinking that is some bullshit. So, um, yeah. <laughs> you mean like making her go to um, Cotillion? Like, uh, yeah, like like making yeah. So so uh, so making her do um like as as a child like Gwen being like undisciplined or whatever and Gwen uh wanting to go on a uh, but 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 her father like trying to put discipline on her uh through like giving her like ballet dance lessons like trying to channel her musical energy in that direction as opposed to whatever Gwen's vibe is here um which which doesn't quite work especially when you think about Captain Stacy in the comics as well um Captain Stacy 65 anyway um so yeah is yeah I there are ways I think of making it like connect up, like you say, but but a lot, but a lot of it just yeah. probably comes down to the fact that they, you know, like Evan says, they looked at they looked at the girl character and went, "What if she, what if she had the girl shoes as well?" <laughs> My also thing is, I feel like we're missing the origin story of Gwen, which is obviously the point of like this movie. But at the same time, I feel like we are missing an hour and a half to two hour movie where she is wrestling between the two worlds, the one her father wants, the one she wants, and the one in between, like, I guess three worlds, and the one in between. And that Ghost Spider or Spider-Gwen is this outlet for expressing herself in a way that she can't at home. So I feel like there was something missing there where in the end she combines the two selves into one, and that's the Spider-Gwen we see in this movie. And that's why she has the ballet shoes, but still is into the, the rock and everything. But we don't have that, so it was all just assumptions on my part. You're coming up with a much better, much better arc here. This is, this is very compelling. Please keep going. Yeah, Marvel, hire me. I'm free. <laughs> well, we do know that her history is largely the same as her comics counterpart. When she gave that quick recap, because uh, well, she's in yeah. the Mary Janes. She got bit by the spider, and yeah, she saved her dad, but not Peter Parker. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think that it still fits in there. It, it, yeah it kind of it kind of yeah it just kind of gel together what i will say is that like while i don't have any like huge problems outside of the ballet thing with the way they do gwen is more like the character especially if you compare it to like the way peter b parker was brought in uh she feels mm. a bit more undercooked um yeah I, I i think that you know like you say that there is like stuff they could have brought in and they could have because she definitely has like a beginning and an end point in the film as well like she like starts out being like i don't have any friends and in the end she's like i have a friend and like that's her arc right there's not yeah. enough connective tissue there i don't think well no i think she's still friends with the mary janes i just took that recap to imply that um she just doesn't maintain more friendships yeah and, and things like they don't they don't actually show like if they'd shown the Mary Janes and been like, "Hey, these are her friends," then you know maybe it would have had a different vibe. But but they didn't, and I think I think that part of that was a choice was to sort of have that shot where she's kind of walking alone on the street, kind of lingering your head. Um, I think that's a pretty um, expected of a. How old is she? Is she supposed to be in this? Would you imagine like fourteen or fifteen? I think Miles is fourteen and she's fifteen because she says she's a year older. Yeah. Well, 15 months, actually, but yeah, that would imply that um, she got bitten like when she was at least 12 to 13. That, dear listeners, is what we call a normal and healthy age gap between two individuals. <laughs> 15 months, yep. Yep, normal, normal age gap there between two characters. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, better than, what, three years in the comics? <laughs> uh, which was shortened. It wasn't that long. It was longer oh. before they wrecked on it. 
Oh, and uh, but uh, um, speaking to her personality, we're still talking about um Gwen and the way she looks. Um, it's like it's very appealing how she has the uh, half shaped head. Yeah, that's neat. I do like that. It's a good look for. Her. Yeah, there's a there's a good um there's a good Ghost Spider cover where I think they do that. Um, uh, Ghost Spider number like seven. And I think uh, Peach Momoko also did one for King in Black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, that that look gels like that is a change to her look gels with the character in a way that feels more more sort of consistent with her aesthetic and style and uh evan i'm pretty sure that um if you um if you've been paying attention in the past episodes how it's my agenda to get guanda acknowledged in the comics yeah (laughs) guanda agenda that's a good agenda to have because I th- I thought when she was going to be attending Empire State University, I thought just to avoid detection that she would just pose as Gwanda. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, one, one day I'm sure we'll get that. I uh... Gwen versus our last hope <laughs> has happened there. If there's a Scarlet Witch variant of her, oh no, that would be good. Oh no, it has to be. No, she would be Gwanda Maximoff. No, Gwanda. Losing my mind. Maxi. There's something there. I'll workshop it. <laughs> well, I think I think that idea. Uh, yeah, that, that one. That that one we can cook more. <laughs> Just as long as Marvel isn't listening, or else it's not going to come true. That that yeah, yeah that sometimes happens. Um, or just someone listening to all the podcasts, taking notes, like, damn it, <laughs> it took Guanda Maximoff. Cross it out. <laughs> what? I wrote two chapters about her. Cross it out. <laughs> Or it just so happens to be a coincidence that they they just plotted Gwanda Maximoff years earlier, and then finally yeah. they got the green light to do it. Yes, if Gwanda Maximoff becomes a bit on this podcast, I I will lose my mind. <laughs> well, well, at least she's probably not going to enslave a town just because uh, she lost her uh, uh, robot boyfriend. Yep. No, she enslaved a town because she lost a patch of her hair again. <laughs> in this version. <laughs> quite funny yeah <laughs> um yeah uh, uh the thing i didn't quite get about that was like she really didn't need to hide her identity like she didn't she needs to do any of that i think it was just in case there is another gwen stacy walking around because there should be well she would have she would have done her research beforehand before going undercover in uh visions academy wouldn't she Maybe I the the thing that kind of like sticks out to me is that like all of that stuff that Gwen is doing just didn't really make sense. Like with what what like yeah, if, when you think about it, yeah, <laughs> like when you think about it from other five, like the stuff that happens with Peter B. Parker like makes sense. The stuff that's happening with uh, the Peter A. Parker makes sense. Like in terms, we call him Rip Peter. Rip Peter. <laughs> um, rest in peace, Peter. Rest in Peter. I don't know. Um, whatever uh his name is um blonde peter yeah, um, just call him blonde peter blonde blonde ben riley ben riley ben riley um it, that that the, like what's happening with those characters and the, how they're trying to foil this plan which is bringing in all these different interdimensional things right like kind of kind of lines up but the stuff with gwen doesn't because like she's like going to visions academy investigating miles doing all this stuff instead of going to look at all the interdimensional stuff because her spider sense is drawing her to miles who isn't bitten by a spider yet at that point like so not only is it not foiling the supervillain plan it's like not helping her figure out what's going on with miles either at least for that first week I think in fairness in the comics, it's been noted that her spider sense was proven unreliable. 
<laughs> which if they, they could have thrown that line in there and it would have been a nice little little retcon thing but honestly it feels like they, they came up with the main plot of the film and then like went oh Gwen too and like just kind of wrote her in there and it didn't quite line up with the chronology well enough and yeah. it was kind of too late in production to substantially fix it I don't, I don't know it's, it felt felt very it, it makes her feel right up until her reveal kind of tacked on there and the rest of the plot well no I'm she showed up when uh, when Chris Pine died, right? Um, like, that's when the event happens? Or did it send her back in time? It, it, I'm it, just remembering it, now. No, she showed up a week before the events of the movie. All the events of the movie. Yeah. So, so while Chris hmm. Pine is dying, Gwen is out there investigating Visions Academy. <laughs> um, for some reason. I have to look at the timeline again. I always... Maybe I just, like, misheard or assumed, but I thought what happened was... She appeared because of the dimensional stuff as it was happening. And then there was like a week between that where Miles did have his powers, was investigating his powers. And also there's a memorial for Chris Pine and everything. Because he had to have time. He had to have a few days between getting bit and uh, the events of the real events in the movie. Because he there's like a memorial for Spider-Man and... A bunch of other stuff like he gets his costume he meets the other spider-man yeah maybe i'm just misremembering or i don't know you know you you were right and the film kind of like hints that because even in the bit like where they stick uh blonde pete's head in a time stream they have all of the other spider people like 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 jump in and out so like it's kind of like it would make sense that they all come in after that because he had his head stuck in there the versions of him are coming through but mm-hmm. um no gwen shows up earlier in the film like like it just doesn't like it's, it, it, it legit feels like they just kind of wrote Quinn in. Like it's because um, well, they heavily imply that Kingpin ran the Collider for like weeks. Yeah, with with the other. Oh, books. okay. Yeah, yeah. It's um. So yeah, yeah it's, it's 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 a weird. It, I it, yeah I yeah I I I sort of. I thought it was a strange way of bringing her in the film. Yeah. Though. But I'm just hoping she gets way more spotlight in um, the two Across the Spider-Verse movies. And what we do know, we do definitely know that she's going to get a lot more in the uh, proposed Spider-Women movie. Yeah. If they do that. If they do that. (laughs) With Sony, who knows? Sony projects. Well, they already have a writer and a director. so. I've heard that before. Remember the Silver and Black movie? Oh, Oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> do you remember do you remember the aunt may origin film yeah they had a writer and director <laughs> had a main act but now sony's just uh throwing everything because they got craven the hunter they got madam web now, I... hold on a second that craven movie's gonna be good i'm gonna put money on that <laughs> i think I'm, i think it's gonna be a good movie just from the cast alone i'm very excited evan coming out as an aaron taylor johnson stand yeah he's handsome i mean he's a good actor <laughs> all right that's all you got that's everybody needs to know all right he's a good actor there's nothing else going on there yep and i would watch anything he's in <laughs> okay justice for quicksilver justice for quicksilver the better quicksilver <laughs> so this, i said it i i mean i you you are entitled to those opinions um yep he's that film that that craven film is gonna be a watch i think it's gonna be awesome. You're all jealous. That's what this is. You're jealous because Spider Gwen has a movie, but Craven does. Oh, but, but what are your feelings about Dakota Johnson as Madam Web? Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, I don't understand the Madame Web movie. Is it Julia Carpenter or the old woman? Or I don't know what's happening. Because of how old Dakota Johnson is, I think it's Julia's. And she's also the most well-known Madame Web. Really? Like, arguably, you could consider Cassandra. But I think nowadays people lean more towards Julia. You, you mean, wow. I, I mean, Dakota Johnson could like be in heavy makeup for the duration of a film. Yeah, or it could just be a prequel, I guess. Or that. Or they could feature Cassandra passing on the mantle to uh, Julia. Finally, the Spider Woman or Madame Web, <laughs> the Madame Web prequel legacy we needed, I guess. Well, this is supposed to all take place in what I call Sony's Venomverse because it's in the same vein oh, yeah. as Arrowverse, which is where it all started. Yeah, I wonder if that Craven film is even going to be in the MCU. I hope so. Yeah, they... I hope so. So if Wanda just happens to run into Craven one day, she'd be like Pietro. <laughs> yeah. Well, Wanda's going to die in Doctor Strange two, calling it. So that won't matter at all. Uh, well, I, we can only hope. I didn't say that. <laughs> um, I'm not getting attacked on Twitter.com by her stands. Her stands are insane. Um, hey, I hope she survives. <laughs> I hope Wanda stands. That was a joke. One more years of Wanda. Okay, I think before we get derailed into uh, other properties, is that pretty <laughs> much um all we have to say about Gwen other than, um, well, she's voiced by the lovely Haley Steinfeld, and this is the first mm-hmm. time that a Haley Steinfeld character had to go up against a kingpin. <laughs> hey, yeah, it is. Uh, no, I, 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 I like this version of Gwen. It is the most well-known version of Gwen. Um, so I think sort of uh, she's she's going to have an impact on how Gwen's portrayed in the comics, depending on how they do her in the films. Very pleased they are doing the Chuck Taylors and Across the Spider-Verse. Yes. Very pleased about that. Um, and and yeah, uh, no, I, I like I like Spider-Gwen. She's cool. Um, this is my favorite version of Spider-Gwen, which, uh, again, I'm not the biggest fan of the comics, so uh, everyone should take this with a grain of salt. <laughs> But I just thought she was a lot of fun. This is also my favorite version of Miles Morales, who I didn't like until this movie. So there was just a lot of different sides of the characters that I really wasn't seeing in the comics that made me open up to them more in the comics uh, going forward. So I like this version. I like her dynamic with Miles and some of the other spider people. And I would love to see a lot more of her. If they want to do like a little mini series or something, I would be super into that. Hmm. That was a good segue into Miles. Oh yeah, let's talk about Miles. The main guy, the main the main man of the film. The Spider-Man of the film, I would even say. Yes. The Spider-Man. <laughs> I love Miles. Yeah, the one and only Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's uh No one else can wear the mask. That's the lesson I learned from this movie. <laughs> no one, only Miles. Yeah. Only no, Miles. He's, he's, he's really cool. I really, really, really like uh Miles in this film. Very, very good. He's uh it's done done like just no nuts yeah yeah well he's very relatable because uh you know um going through um every struggle what every other kid would do you know adjusting to a new school trying to live up to your parents expectations etc <laughs> yeah it's um it's a coming of age story right yeah but yep yeah i love this miles before this um I'm not trying to throw shade in any type of writers or anything, but Bendis's writing for Miles wasn't really doing it for me. So I just wasn't a fan of the character, even though I really wanted to be, especially since I was a huge fan of Ultimate Spider-Man in general. But so for years, the character just did not click with me at all. 
And so finally I got this version of the character and also like the champions version of the character, I think was around this time too. So I was enjoying that. The Jim Zub pen or the Mark Wade pen? Um, Honestly, both. I don't like, I don't dislike the Mark Wade champions as much as everyone else seems to, but it was definitely a turning point, especially, oh, was Mark Wade writing him in um, Avengers 2? Yes. I want to say yes. So around that time was definitely when I started to shift on Miles because other writers got a chance to write him. And again, this is no shade of Bendis. I love Bendis, but um, all shade intended because <laughs> he just became a different type of character, especially after this movie. This movie hit and totally resonated with so many people that Marvel really paid attention, especially um, Ahmed, who's the current writer of um, Spider-Man, Miles Morales. And he really leans into this newer version of Miles where he has a lot different of a personality than he originally did. He's a lot more confident, um, like Miles is at the end of the movie. Um, and just like the movie, there's less focus on his friends and more <laughs> focus on the adventures, which, you know, not the best part of the movie or the best part of uh, the comics, but, you know, everything else I like. Yeah, and it was very cute how um, awkward he was at first because you know, he was trying to flirt with Gwen, and when he realized that he was gaining spider powers... Um, you know, his thoughts became very loud, which was another aspect that I love him noticing his thoughts. Yeah. Visually show that. I like that too. And they showed it in a good way. And I also like the um, the way they led, led into that by showing Miles at his original school and his original neighborhood and how he's cool and collected he is and confident. Um, and then he goes to this new school and he's totally out of his element and he basically just kind of shuts into himself a little bit and starts to stumble a lot. Yeah, he's trying to give up. Uh, I was probably just going to say the same thing as you, which was just that uh, he wants the like spider powers come in and everything. It just like exasperates more and just grows and grows. Yeah, because uh, the thing with if with, um with Miles' story is that you know he's trying too much to be uh, like blonde Peter that um he's not focusing on how he should uh, approach being Spider Man. Yeah, that's true. Is um finding his own identity in that legacy is like the through line there is he wants to be spider-man but he can't be that spider-man yeah he has to be his own spider-man just like he can't be his dad and he can't be his uncle um he has to find out who he is so it is very coming of age and i think they did it in a very like slick way where it's not very i you might say it's hand-fisted before like a, a kids or all age movies i thought it was very well stated without being stated too much or too hard yeah yeah i did find it pretty comic accurate how uh, he bought the um quote the bad taste costume <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i wish they called him out more in the, about wearing that uh in the movie just have, for the jokes they have everybody wear the spite that like spider-man costumes at, at, at peter parker's funeral like they're all turning up in like spider-man merch which, which is a little bit different from the comics. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> and remember when Miles uh, told himself that um, everyone's counting on him and then uh, some bystander told him, like, not him specifically? Yeah. <laughs> he was like, I think it's just like a metaphor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's, he, he, yeah, he, uh, yeah, there's a lot, I think, I think it's, um, I, I, I like how they're able to use getting spider powers as, as being like a sort of more general, like you say, not necessarily ham-fisted, but just not very subtle sort of metaphor for like puberty and like 
growing older and becoming your own person yeah. uh, while learning from those who came before you. It's it's a nice, it, it gels together in a very nice and sort of satisfying way um, so that when you see him put on the his version of the suit and uh, jump off that skyscraper uh, yes. with the fucking awesome soundtrack in the background. What's up, danger? I don't think we have the rights to that song, so I can't sing it. Yeah, it goes a little bit like this. <laughs> but um, yeah. for some strange reason, like, because I think this is a joke that Pax told earlier, how I'm always drawn towards artist characters. Miles is an artist in this movie. <laughs> I like that element of it. Like, I like his little his little notebook with his with his sketches and stuff in. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, his artist background, I'm I'm just saying background loosely is what makes him, you know, spray paint the Spider-Man costume, how he makes it his own. Yeah. And that was another element that was really crafted into the entire story. At first it was just like a mecha- mechanism that was really used to connect him to his uncle. And then after his uncle, spoiler alert, passes away and everything, well, I guess he's murdered. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> he's murdered. Uh, Died from unnatural and, causes. Unnatural bullets. Uh, but yeah, then at the end, it, it becomes more of his... It, it's able to make him grow in confidence and you get to see how... The art helps you see his confidence grow where he doesn't need that direction or help anymore. It still connects to his uncle, but it's also a part of him and he gets to express himself uh, where before he definitely just could not. So I think it was a really cool thematic way of crafting it without, again, without saying too much. And what about yeah. um Sunflower being his jam? Yes. That was funny. That was very cute. <laughs> I really liked that. That was a good way of incorporating the soundtrack into the mix too. Yeah. While we're uh, focusing on like um jam, like what would be um all of our jams? I'm just going to say mine is Chandelier. Chandelier? Bye. Ooh. See ya. Oh, oh yes, yes. I know that song. It's a good song. Mine's uh, "Gimme" by ABBA. Yes. Gimme, gimme. Let's go. I love that song. We don't have the rights to that song. Oh, sorry. Uh, dimmy, dimmy, dimmy. The lights after midnight. Pax, what's your jam? Um, at the moment, it is uh the main song from the Batman original soundtrack um the oh you could be murdering people <laughs> oh my god um no uh no uh, my 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 the, the jam which speaks most to me is probably starlight by muse um i love that song Ooh. um yeah it's a, it's a nice song um yeah no i liked um I, I, li- I liked I, the whole artistic side of Miles was really good, uh, particularly the fact that like they do uh, like graffiti art and in a completely non-stigmatized way as well. I like that. Yeah, it's 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 done as art and it's shown to be art and it looks fantastic and it's and it's meaningful to the story and the plot. And he gets he gets the spider by there as well. So it's all it all sort of came together in a way that I was like, like yeah, that's that's really nice. I was going to say something like as a black viewer, you, whenever you see a black character, especially like in Bennis's writing, it's kind of hard because either they're written in a way that totally ignores that they're black or totally makes the entire story about them being black. So it was really nice to have a movie where it's very clear that Miles is black. I wish they focused a lot more on his Latino side, too, because he is Afro-Latino. But that's something that I wish was focused on a little bit more. But they did focus on the black aspect of it without it being, again, like you said, uh, stereotypical or stigmatized uh, what he was doing in his actions. 
and it really made the character feel a lot more real to me and also a lot more personal to me because I got to see if I was a kid and I saw that I would have felt so connected to this character because these are just the people I, I live with. This is who I also am. So it was just something nice to see uh, and a change of pace for these kinds of stories. It's mm, really nice. And I love how Miles is continuing into doing his art in the Across the Spider-Verse teaser when uh, Gwen looked at his sketchbook and uh, she found her drawing. Yeah. <laughs> that was very nice and very funny. And then the memes surrounding it got very weird very quickly. <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, people have been, yeah, control yourselves, people out there Honestly. on the internet. <laughs> Just a children's movie. Just imagine if this Miles popped up in the cameo in No Way Home after Electro said, there's got to be a black Spider-Man out there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I wish. MCU deliver. Then I'd say that's the best Spider-Man movie, but no. Only white Spider-Man's here. What is this? Directed by Christopher Nolan? Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> too yeah. soon? Uh, too, too. <laughs> no. Maybe um, if he did a Logan-style movie. Okay. <laughs> But it would just be called Peter. Peter! Wait, I've lost the thread. Uh, we jumped ship. <laughs> I'm... We're all over the place. Jokes are folding in on themselves. It's this own multiverse that's being created here. Gotta keep up. <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, Shamik Moore did a wonderful job in portraying Miles. Yeah, Shamik Moore had a very good voice for Miles. I think all the voice actors in this uh, movie were great. Uh, but yeah, Shamik, Haley Steinfeld, and Jake Johnson definitely stole the show. Bro, I agree. Yeah, since uh, you brought up Jake Johnson, I think this is also a good segue into. Uh, I'm so good at this. Our third spider, Peter B. Parker. He's great. I like. I like. Uh, I like Jake Johnson, Peter B. Parker. He's um, and he he has like a really good arc. Like his whole going from being scared to have kids to, to like wanting to have kids thing is like. It was, it was really meaningful. It was like, it was just, yeah, it was really, really nice. You could tell with the way that Jake Johnson gives his voice delivery that uh, Peter B. Parker was bored being Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he's, he's got, uh, like, because the, the blonde Pete is young compared to, to Peter B. Parker. Like, is a, is a good, what, like, at least 10 years between those two characters. Um, so yeah. you've got, like, an older and... Yeah, Peter B's actually supposed to be 38. That's what I read. Yeah, and, and all of those oh, wow. franchising efforts which worked out really well for Blonde Pete, where everybody has Spider-Man merch, did not work out well for no. Peter B. Parker. So he's he's got bad money problems as well. Yeah, because he blew all of his money on opening a TGI Spideys. That's really funny. I would go into the TGI Spideys. Yeah, 100%. Well, I've never been to a TGI Fridays yet, but I would like to go to a TGI Spideys. Man, TGI Fridays is like, imagine you walk into a fancy restaurant and then it's not fancy at all. <laughs> <laughs> That's the vibe. It's very good. Uh, but yeah, I love uh, Peter B. Parker. Jake Johnson does a great job. I love the arc of responsibility and the way it flips on the normal responsibility arcs of Spider-Man. Um, and he's just so sad. <laughs> and I love him. That's exactly kind of what I wanted to always see. Yeah. Of Peter Parker. I don't have to see it again, I think. Like, I would love to see Jake Johnson's Spider-Man more and more, but I don't think I'd do the whole uh, Peter Parker's sad, Spider-Man yeah. sad story again. Um, well, the man lost his wife and aunt. Yes. Which, you know, fair to be sad about, but also, I don't need to see it anymore. 
keep it over there. Go back to your tub, Jake Johnson, and I don't know, eat a pizza or something. But, yeah. No, I'm just saying, like, I'm glad the character had this arc and I got to see it, and I enjoyed the hell out of it. But if I saw this arc again, especially with the same Spider-Man, I wouldn't be happy with it. Yeah. So I hope the next steps and for the future we just see different stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it really wasn't hitting for me with all of the fat jokes that they made for Peter B. Parker. Yeah, yeah. slightly sort of fatphobic bent to it, um, which is which is not great. Um, no. They play it for too many jokes. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I'll say, fatphobia, not cool. No. And you could quote me on that. Fatphobia, not cool. Evan Van Doom, 2022. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to see a real life of Peter B. Parker, did you know that Todd Knock is a dead ringer for him? Yes, I did see those. It's insane how how accurate it is. The artist. Because uh, Todd Knock's uh, profile picture was like that, right? Yeah. I think that's still yeah. his profile picture on uh, um, Twitter. Because well, not on Insta. On Insta, it's still just Spider-Man. Nice. Um, yeah, he's a... Uh... Oh, there's a bunch of pictures. Yeah, so the comic book <laughs> artist Todd Nork looks just like Peter B. Parker. And uh, did you always hear about the speculation that by the next movie that uh, Peter and MJ uh, might get together and have Mayday or Annie or whichever kid that they want to use? Oh, that sounds correct. That sounds like... if I feel like in the next movie we won't see Peter B. Parker until the end. And then... Because it's only part one of two, right? Yeah. So it would make sense if it ended with... Miles running into his universe and seeing the family he built himself and then going on to the finale. But who knows? Or if they're looking to start off with another high stake Spider-Man death. Um, <laughs> oh no. His arc is over. Um, uh, I hope he doesn't die. <laughs> no, I, I'd be very sad. I, I like uh, I, I like Jake Johnson a lot in the role. I think especially because it basically feels like it, they're using like a Jewish voice actor for Peter Parker and like oh yeah this him, peter like, parker is jewish yeah which yeah. which which the people kind of want from comics pete as well because comics pete uses a lot of jewish um like motifs and and tropes um canonically uh peter's supposed to be i think a protestant or christian like raised but not um practicing hmm. yeah it's we're yeah I, the the a lot of people talk about like peter's sense of humor and, and stuff which is or even like especially some of the language choices um like different yiddish phrases we used especially in like early asm comics um yeah people people mention that a lot so like this there is this is kind of a push uh for pete to be jewish in the same way that like um the other characters ben or kitty pride yeah like they started off with like um like without them really saying it out loud until maybe a bit later. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd be totally down for Jewish Peter Parker. It makes sense. It there's no reason for it not to be. And it'd be a good homage to creators and everything. So Yeah. Yeah, it's some yeah, that's I it was nice. The, the marriage thing, I was always remembering the marriage yeah. they, they break the, the glass, don't they? Oh yeah, he steps on it. Yeah, which which was uh which was which is pretty that's gotta be a Jewish yeah, that is a Jewish yeah. wedding tradition. Yeah, so um, yeah, it was uh, yeah, that was that was nice. So they, they, yeah, they, they, they're hitting a lot of the right notes with the with with the representation stuff. Um, yeah, on those parts. Uh, so uh, the other Peter Parker, the one, uh, the the lesser lived, 
uh, Pizza Parker. Yeah. Um, Rip Peter. Rip Peter. Um, Ooh, what you say? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, was not prepared for that death. Uh, no. Still emotionally stunned from it. <laughs> but at least before he died, he was a very successful Spider-Man because he's got a comic book, he's got a serial, he did a Christmas album, he got a theme song, and the so-so mm. popsicle. They actually had Chris Pine record that theme song as well, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's yeah. Like I got so attached way too quickly. Um, and uh, I, I just there's there's a couple of deaths in this film, right? That just are pretty violent and really catch me off guard. Um, yeah. No, I it's, it's yeah that 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 whole montage they have of him after he's dying, like yeah. It's uh, it's, it was sad. It's, it's um, yeah. But, but remember, all of his uh, hero exploits were a reference to previous uh, Spider-Man in the movies, because like he stopped the train. Um, like the pose that he did on the bridge was similar to Tom Holland's, and mm. even though um we don't talk about this like during Spider-Man Three, the dance. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes. A lot of people, um, a, a lot of Peter Parker stands talk a lot about how they want to see an older Peter Parker represented in ap- adaptations because normally when he gets adapted, he's younger in high school, whatever. Um, yeah. This is that Peter Parker, right? Like, this is the late 20s Peter Parker yep. married to MJ. Yeah, that's the era I think people want to see. And according to uh, Peter B. Parker, he's perfect. Mm. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah they, they yeah they do perfect Pete and then they they kill him off. <laughs> Poor chap. But um, but yeah. remember how I like I was the one who pointed out to you that his physical appearance is supposed to resemble Ben Riley. All right. Do they do they like do they change the frame a bit? I think this is uh, supposed to be because it's a it's um to represent an alternate universe than Peter B. Parker, so that's yeah. why they made him blonde. Yeah, yeah, they, they, yeah. They, like, um, that makes sense. It's, they they do a good job of making them feel like very different characters, even though they have the same face. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. It also makes sense that Ben Riley would be the one that we call the perfect Spider-Man. You know, so. Well, that is <clears> true. <throat> he was the perfect clone since Kane was deemed a failure. Well. Just, yeah, and also like he was, you know, some might even say the best Spider-Man. That's just word on the street. Um, I'm just kind of, a, you know, I'm just speculating. If anything. No, no capitalist dog is getting called out on my podcast. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, who um, had uh, Parker Industries again? I rest my case. That's a good point. Miles <laughs> but, is the one true Spider. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But it is implied that Rip Peter is a uh, well-off because he he's has all that money to. Uh, you know, build a spider's nest in Aunt May's house. Yeah, the the shed. The shed scene really cracks me up because of how completely caught off guard by how good it is Peter B. Parker is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's got all of those costumes from the comics, even including the like one with a cape, which could be a future reference to zombie hunter Spidey. But you know, in the words of Edna Mode, <laughs> no capes. No capes. No capes. Yeah, it's um no, it's 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 like a bat cave. In fact, it's got it's pretty much modeled after a bat cave, right? Like it's yeah, beat for yeah. beat. Yeah, but um, I just call it the spider's nest because that makes so much sense. It's a good name. It's a good name, and and it becomes that because more than one spider moves in, so works Ooh. out. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, who who else we got in the film? Uh, we have we have Kingpin. 
I don't have too much to say about Kingpin or the other ultimate villains except for like uh, Villain and Prowler. But mm. Kingpin, I do enjoy. I think it was very intimidating. Leaf Schreiber did an amazing job. Um, I really like the accent they gave him and the whole demeanor was fun. And the cartoonishly larger than lifestyle is uh, super exciting to see on screen. Yes, I love how they um, decided to design Kingpin this way as this large, imposing man. Very comic booky. Very much. Oh, yeah. I, th- I think like after like three different Kingpins that we've had in adaptations, this is still probably the most well-known one at this point. Um, well, Vincent D'Onofrio is always going to be top tier. I will say, yeah, the Vincent D'Onofrio, I think, is a lot more popular than this version. Mm-hmm. I think it was seen by a lot more eyes. I guess. I mean, he is now definitely yeah for sure um but yeah i, I, I just yeah out, out of yeah the, the kingpin's solid solid bet for a villain he's a good at least in new york anyway good good go-to yeah well you have to feel <laughs> bad for him that he lost his wife and son in a car accident just because well well he indirectly caused their deaths yes yeah, but you still gotta feel bad for him it's a very compelling motivation. Like, because a lot of the times, like, there'll be like a villain is gonna destroy the world thing, and they'll give them a sympathetic motivation, and they're like, oh, it makes zero sense. Like, wanting to stop the environment from being destroyed, and that'll be the reason they they're accidentally blowing up everything in the world or whatever. I don't know. Um, yeah. But like this, this here kind of it, it almost makes sense with this weird comic book logic. Yeah. And that's basically like the logic that uh, some of his stories have in the actual comics, because usually Vanessa's dead in a lot of the mediums, or like in the Ultimate Universe, she's in a coma. I think in 616, she died. So they really do pull from that a lot. But I was also really happy to see Kingpin get to be a Spider-Man villain again, because I think he's a lot more associated with Daredevil nowadays. Yeah, Yeah, because he was um, introduced as a Spidey villain, but then um, they wanted to bring him more into Daredevil's territory. And um, Yeah. yeah... I closely associate Kingpin with Daredevil now. Yeah, I think a lot of people do. I still, I uh, I read Spider-Man before I read anything else in my life. So characters like Kingpin, Punisher, and even Juggernaut, I associate with Spider-Man. Oh, wow. uh, Juggernaut didn't even debut in Spider-Man or anything, but his like most, well, the one I think is the most, most memorable story is from there. So I just can't not associate it. So stay with Kingpin though. Yeah, Fisk is in that weird gray area of shared custody between uh, Disney <laughs> and uh, Sony. Oh yeah, yeah. Actually, I don't know if Kingpin is. Yeah, hmm. I, I, I am. No, I think it's mostly because of um through his introduction in Spider Man, but his prominence in Daredevil. That's what makes him in that weird gray area. Yeah. Yeah, you, you're hmm. telling me Kingpin isn't a Kate Bishop Hawkeye villain first and foremost. Is that not? What? Surprisingly, no. Well, Echo is um associated with Daredevil, so by association, um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I just, uh, yeah, yeah, I was doing a bit, but yeah, <laughs> that works out. Um, but in a train scene for a split second, did you notice how one of his wife and son variants are actually uh, Matt Murdock and the sister Maggie? I did not notice that. That's wild. I noticed Matt Murdock, but not his sister. You mean his mother? I- I'm just saying Sister Maggie because she's a nun. Oh. oh. No, I didn't notice. I noticed Matt Murdock. I noticed uh, that was also Matt Murdock's mom. 
or A9. I didn't notice that at all. Can't imagine you'd be impressed if Matt Murdock came through as his son. <laughs> <laughs> well, in um the Gwen sixty five comics, uh, well, Fisk did have Murdock as his lawyer. Oh, yeah, man. that's why I thought it was a reference too, but I didn't know if it was just like something new either. I think according to one of the uh, um, animators or artists or something, um, those two variants are supposed to be from Gwen's dimension. Interesting. That's awesome. If they ever do Evil Matt Murdock in an adaptation of everything, I will go feral. That will be so cool. Yep. That would be awesome. I would love that. Yeah, I think uh, should we move on to um, the secondary antagonist or the more entertaining villain? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, I love this reveal. This is one of the best reveals in comics for uh, Doc Ock. I didn't see it coming at all. Even as it was happening, uh, I was still like, "What's what?" And she was like, <laughs> "I I was just so flabbergasted by the whole experience, and it just stuck. It's the thing that stuck with me after the movie. I think the most. I think during a rewatch, I think you would have seen it coming if in the lab when Peter snuck in, you saw one of the Ock arms on Liv's table. Yeah, that might give it away. <laughs> yeah, wait. Hey, Abigail started pointing this out to me, and I started realizing there's a bunch of like octagon stuff in the room, like octagon shaped lights. Yeah. Like, but I, yeah, like you say, I didn't pick up any of that until until well after she was like halfway through the Doctor Octopus transformation. So, um, <laughs> yeah, this is, this is a fun uh, Doctor Octopus. Um, yeah, just like the inflatable <laughs> arms and stuff. It's it's all fun. Even though she's a CEO, and we know how you feel about CEOs. When she's a villain, so then it's okay. You, know, you can have CEOs in your story so long as they're villains. This is this is my always been my policy. But I think um while she's voiced by the lovely Catherine Hahn, um she's kind of neck and neck with um like Agatha Harkness for performance. I I feel like this is my preferred character out of the two. I think I 100 agree. I don't. I also just don't care for WandaVision. Uh, unless Wanda stands asked me that I love it. It's a great show. But <laughs> as far as anyone else is concerned, I don't like that show. And I don't think that performance was even as special as everyone else thinks it is. Um, Catherine Hahn is just an amazing actor. and It's a lot of fun to watch. So, of course, she killed it. But out of the two, 100%, the Doc Ock is just a lot more exciting and fun and visually appealing. Well, at least uh, she's still sinister in this one because, um, well, she didn't even... Um, bothered to notify Kingpin that his wife and son variants might die if he was successful in bringing them in. Yeah, it's all about experimentation. Yeah, I, I think it was the implication is that she is so obsessed with trying to make it work that she doesn't have too much regard for the repercussions anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's and, I got. yeah. And what's her reward for it? being hit by a truck? I'm sure she's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think, think Ox survived worse. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure she can bounce back, reinflate from <laughs> any traumatic events. Like a Looney Tunes character. I'm going to let everyone make their own jokes about that. I, I... All right, all right, let me think. Uh, reinflate, reinflate. There's a. There's a uh, yeah. yeah, so I was, uh, uh, I was walking down the street and I, I got nothing. <laughs> Yeah, let let everyone write their own jokes about the, the inflatable tentacles. Oh no, I'm I'm a bit lost. The dirty jokes. Oh, okay, I'm hearing it now. Okay, Abigail. Oh, uh, Pax, you're so innocent. 
uh, what I uh yeah I I I um I wasn't um that's a okay. You don't have to apologize. Okay, okay, you don't have to get um you don't have to overthink it, but yeah. But um yeah. anyway, um I was trying to think of puncture jokes. I was not I, I, Yep, okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was trying to think of clean Christian and or Jewish <laughs> jokes and not dirty Twitter uh Facebook Reddit talk. <laughs> I was being a good citizen. <laughs> yeah. That's it. I'm leaving. <laughs> I walk away. Okay, I think before we get into the deep end, <laughs> well, um, you do. Um, I think everyone who has read um Nick Spencer's Amazing Spider-Man has probably noticed that, um, they just took Liv's design, and then they just yeah. redesigned Carolyn Trainer. Um, yes, hundred percent. Yeah, which and they're two totally different people. Yeah, but also, I mean, are they? <laughs> A lady octopus is a lady octopus. Like, I get that they're different. They are entirely different characters. Like, uh, Liv is supposed to be a reverse type of Otto Octavius. But at the same time, they are just like, you know, lady octopus and Doc Ock. So I'm, I'm totally okay with it. And she looks great in the comics. And uh, her introduction, what I really liked is, you know, my friends actually call me Liv. My enemies... Yeah call me doc ock so when aunt may was like oh great it's live so do they know each other yeah my headcanon immediately was that they dated in the past <laughs> i think that was um all of comic twitter and movie twitter's headcanon yeah that sounds right i didn't pick up on that i should have did you even watch the movie packs i, I watched the film <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, it was a, a big a, fan. Big fan. Big, <laughs> big fan. I don't have any ships to show. Um, no, um, but yeah, no, it was, I, I, that line did kind of throw me. That stumped me. But, but the implication that okay, that's right. Yeah, I've internalized <laughs> it now. We're really playing through packs through like a midlife crisis right now. Well, <laughs> between crisis. this and the octopus tentacle jokes. Okay, being in the t- being in our twenties is not midlife. Oh, for you, maybe. But for me... <laughs> no, okay. Can we go with quality life? I'm going to live forever. I can't die. I'm immortal. Yes. Uh, okay. Same. Hoping to be immortal, too. Until they invent you the technology be. for me to upload my mind into the computer. Right. Of course. I mean, I'm immortal until someone proves me otherwise. Immortal until proven wrong. <laughs> Don't take that as a challenge. I'm just saying. <laughs> anyway, um, should we move on to the Prowler? <laughs> Yes, please. Hell yeah. Love Prowler in this film. Yeah. You have a Funko Pop of him, don't you? I have the I have the Prowler Funko Pop, yes. Yeah. Yeah, Prowler's so cool in this film. Love Prowler. It's the best. Like yeah. I do love him. Yeah. And I was talking about um Miles' arc with him. I I also like Prowler's arc, but I kind of wish there was more to it. But by the nature of the film and the film's narrative, it couldn't happen. So it's not like an issue where I'm like, oh, that's stupid or this is bad. It was more of just a, oh, I wish we got more of him kind of thing. I think I think it really works, especially if you compare it to Aaron Davis in the comics. I think hmm. like this adaptation is way, way, way more interesting and oh, yeah. isn't an awful person. Crucially actually yeah. likes Miles and yeah. presents a possible path for him in the future, um, which he may actually desire to go down, um, which, yeah. I, I like and design is 
sick and the the rocket boots and the motor and that whole sequence where he's chasing him and it's just mm, it's good it's great i love it <laughs> yeah even though um his prowler costume this is more hobie brown than regular aaron davis because um aaron's was what a much more practical suit yeah i think that like taking the hobie brown like prowler mm. design and like power set and then using the aaron davis uncle character as the sort of the, the person um, I think that's sort of the route they went. But I really did love Mahershala Ali's delivery and doing Prowler because he was the former Cottonmouth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's had this is this is he's having so much work at Marvel. Just Marvel. Just just yeah. Good for him. They love him. Yeah, which is good because I love him. I am gonna say it's like, great. I wonder yeah. if bringing him back as Blade was an apology to the fans for killing him off halfway through Luke Cage season one. Yeah, and killing him off here as well. I think what happened was he won an Oscar and Kevin immediately ran to his doorstep. <laughs> I was like, what do you want to do? And he said, Blade. And he said, you're in. Yeah, yeah he's, um, yeah, no, I wept when he died. It was so sad. Well, let's be fair, I cry a lot. Yeah. It was very sad. Yeah, 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 it's so heartening, you know, when he takes off his gauntlet and then just to feel Miles' hand. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a, good, it's a good moment. Yeah, the moment that got me was really when uh, Jefferson almost started crying. That's when I almost started crying. So I was like, Jefferson, if you cry, I'm going to cry, man. We can't do this here. <laughs> yeah, I think that was a good segue to Jeff. Yeah. Too good at segues. I, Call I, me Paul Blart Mall Cop. I, I segue like a champ. Speaking of cops. Write that down. <laughs> speaking of cops. Damn, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, you segued twice. Um, I feel, um, actually, I feel kind of opposite about jefferson because they make him a cop <laughs> well wasn't jefferson traditionally a cop he he was a shield agent a reluctant shield agent in the bendis comics but here he is a full-throated endorsement of the new york police department yeah but wasn't his civilian cover a cop in the comics uh he was he was uh he was working as a criminal like that was his. That was his. That was where he was undercover, uh, and he was working for Shield, like, um, like as part of his double agents stuff. But he was a, uh, he was he was embedded within a crime operation for a villain I can't remember right now off the top of my head. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think. I don't think he was a cop in the comics ever. He was just a cop in the movie and in the video game because neither of them wanted to use Shield, I guess. So that's the only way they could think of setting him up. Yeah, which I... is a shame because he is a great character. Even in the comics, he's like the best part of the, in my opinion, under even under uh, Bennis's writing at the time, he was like the best part of that series in my opinion, yeah. just because he was so different from yes. other mentors at the time. So cool. Um, yeah. and he was so cool. Unfortunate name, but so cool. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I, I, what was going on? Bendis makes some choices. Yeah. Um, that had to be an accident. There's no way that wasn't an accident. Literally just pulled two names out of the uh, <laughs> unconsciously just um forgot that this was the name of name of a Confederate yeah. president. And by the time he realized it was way too late, he was like one volume in, he went, Oh shit. <laughs> I, yeah. uh -oh. And they don't actually call they do they don't call him Jefferson in full, do they? They just call him They the just film. call him they, Jeff. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, no, and I was thinking about it because uh, Lord Miller, uh, who were responsible for, for many, many good choices uh, with this film and, and, and films that I like, uh, do have, I think, in my opinion, a cop thing. They have a cop thing. I'm like pretty sure of it. They've, they did the Jump Street films, which is funny. And as much as I like, at least I watched the first one the other day, it was a really good time. Very much yeah. a cop film. They put a cop character in a Lego movie. They put a cop character in Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. They have directed an episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine and they made Jeff Davis a cop in this film. I think they have a cop thing. That is my theory. Mm. Um, and that's what I don't like. <laughs> well, Lord and Miller also did the Lego Batman movie and um, they actually turned Batgirl into the police commissioner. Yeah. Becoming the Joker right now. Also, and if you watch the Apple TV hit show Apple After Party, which is very good and you should watch it, there are quite a few cops in that. Oh. And one of the cops is definitely the hero of the show. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. So, like, especially in New York of all places, with all of their issues with the uh, stop and search and building watchtowers in, like, poor neighborhoods, um, the, like, endorsement of the police mm. is probably not the best move. Um it's, it's yeah and and yeah like this it just doesn't they they kind of they kind of call him call him out a little bit on the whole like in the film that they're kind of aware of the whole like sometimes he's strict on stuff that he doesn't need to be strict about like with the stickers and whatever but um yeah they they, they yeah i didn't i didn't like the direction they took the yeah. character in this film but but yeah. would you say that with the absence of a uh, jameson uh in this movie that a uh, jeff kind of serves as miles as jameson uh in a loose way yes but also no just because jefferson isn't like evil <laughs> like i love J. Jordan jameson but at times he was like behemothly cruel about spider-man dragging him through the mud setting him up like doing illegal things to capture him and to make him seem like the villain and it was mostly just for ego at the end of the day uh jefferson I don't think has the same perspective. He doesn't understand Spider-Man and he, I don't think he thinks he's a menace so much that he is. He thinks that Spider-Man, the new Spider-Man at least doesn't know exactly what he's doing. Um, But at the same time, we just don't get enough interaction or him talking about Spider-Man to really get uh, a sense of it. He is an antagonist kind of in a way, but it's not in, I don't know. Jefferson just isn't in the film enough. I think for me to really say he, has a strict antagonistic relationship with Spider-Man or Miles. He's like not, he doesn't trust Spider-Man and he he doesn't really care for him. But I don't know if there's actually like a behemothly hateful energy there. Nah, it's mostly just strained. I think that's what I would, that's what yeah. the right word would be. Yeah. That's a great word for it. Yeah. It's, um, it, it is, I, I do like the, the there is that one moment where where he's like he makes a big point of making sure that him and Miles say I love you. Yeah. That was funny and sort of nice. You call that harassment from cops? <laughs> yeah, I was say uh, definitely I, an abuse of power there. <laughs> yeah, I, I will I will say again the copification comes through. Um but but the 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 point they're trying to make in the film is that like dads and sons say I love you like the kind of de- they're trying to deconstruct toxic masculinity a little bit which which was nice um, yeah which but yeah, um, yeah it's like dad I love you that's a copy yeah it was, it was <laughs> cute uh, and Brian Tyree Henry's uh, yeah. very good 
back yeah. to so who, oh, yeah. Yeah. who would later go on to become fastos one of the best eternals yeah, yeah that yeah. dude stays booked i'm so happy for him he deserves hey, that isn't that that one train film that's coming out yeah soon he's in bullet train atlanta season three the final season's coming out godzilla versus uh, kong he was in godzilla versus kong man great guy yeah i'm glad he's a he's a cool dude he's a cool dude um we got aunt yeah. may here who is very just badass with the baseball bat just 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 right in the thick of it just just <laughs> swinging a baseball bat tombstone nonetheless because she's like i said take this outside <laughs> yeah um can't imagine that was that was a fun event for her having people fight inside her home but but yeah it was um it was cool they they, they create a really like probably the most i would say at the point at that point in time pre no way home the most active aunt may that we've seen um like actually getting like stuck in a fight and stuff but um yeah uh, it was it was it was cool and and that whole moment she has with peter b parker where she's like she like cheers him up and like that's him seeing her for the first time since his army passed away and her peter's died and this is yeah i like that was that was sweet and she's based on <laughs> Ultimate Aunt May, who's basically the blueprint for all media adaptations for Aunt May, I think, since uh, 2012 of the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon. Yeah, I, I'm of the opinion that Aunt May should always be cool. Well, she's the run running the spider's nest, so... The aunt in the chair? <laughs> the ant in the chair. Yeah. Uh, very good. <laughs> that's, that's the, everybody needs an aunt in the chair. And how um she was the uh, spider's first choice to go to when uh when um they landed on Miles's Earth. Yeah, that was really nice. That was that was there was some really nice beats that they hit with with that, which like helped them all to kind of translate well to each other, like relate well to each other even. And is it also implied that she's um that she might be a bit of a genius too, since she was the one who built Miles's web shooters? Hmm. She actually she actually built them. I don't know if she did she build them or just like. Yeah, she was like, I made them myself. Oh. Oh. Then yeah, I, I suppose so. Go for I, her. <laughs> it just it, it kinda mirrors the moment from the comics where Aunt May is the one to pass down Pete's old stuff to Miles after Pete's died. Um, yeah. Cause, cause in the comics Pete and Miles don't meet either. Like so it's like left to Aunt May to, to do any Well mental. they don't meet right away. I don't acknowledge that Peter Parker came back in the answer. <laughs> Nothing fills me with. I'm a Gwen Stacy stan, and nothing fills me with more rage than Peter Parker coming back to life in the Ultimate Comics. That's totally fair. But didn't you love how Aunt May was like, "Can you help your aunt build a dating profile so she can get out of the dang house every once in a while?" (laughs) Yeah, that was was a good line. Yeah. Um, Yeah, this Aunt May was fun. Again, not a lot for her to do, but she does make an impression, which is very nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lily Tomlin, she's uh, usually best known for her comedic chops. Oh, also Lily Tomlin, I believe, is uh, gay. So, oh, yeah, just from the voice alone, I was like, whoa. <laughs> I guess Aunt May's gay now. I guess that's the head canon <laughs> for um, May and Liv came from. Oh yeah, has <laughs> um, never found out. Yeah, that's I, I, I could, I, I ship it, I ship yeah. it. 
like even though I haven't I watched uh, Grace and Frankie, which she's uh, probably best known now where she's from, like I've seen some clips. She's pretty mm-hmm. funny. Yeah. yeah. I've also never watched the show, but I know enough about her. She seems fine. Nice. Speaking of nice and fine, Mary Jane Watson. Yes. Yes. And Zoe Kravitz. Oh my god. Yeah. Um they do they they don't they don't do a huge amount with her, but they um have that one scene with Peter B. Parker. That's mostly Pete speaking though. Yeah. yeah she doesn't get a lot to do. Um I also kind of am glad I'm I don't not that I dislike Mary Jane or anything, even though, you know, I'm team black cat, but that's like neither here nor there. <laughs> but uh we don't need Mary Jane really in this story besides the connection to Peter B. Parker. Um I don't mind if that re- flips in the sequel, but I don't think we need I don't think we need Peter at all in the sequel. And I don't think if we do take one of them, I would prefer MJ in the sequel, but I don't think we need either of them. Well, remember her eulogy is what makes Miles decide to become Spider-Man. Yes, they, 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 they do the eulogy over the That's top of point. this of, over a couple of scenes, don't they? So she's speaking yeah. for, for longer than she's actually on screen. Yeah, which I think is, all again, all we need. She They cemented her importance to Spider, the, that version of Spider-Man in that universe set Miles up on, uh, you know, they both work in tandem to set up Miles' inciting incident as well as, you know, encourage him to accidentally or indirectly to pursue this path. So I think that's all you need from Peter Parker and MJ from this universe, I think. Mm. But um, do you think in the sequels that um, they'll have uh, Zoe Kravitz come back and then give her more to do? They could could have her come back as a spider-powered Mary Jane. That's what I would be into. Yeah. Oh yeah, Spinneret. Or Mayday. Even. Or, or have her come back as Black Cat. Oh yeah, I would love that. That'd be very funny too. <laughs> so Kravitz getting Monopoly and all cat burglar based roles in comic yeah. book film. <laughs> um, even Earth sixty five, Felicia, would that count? Yes. Yeah, everyone hates that version except for me. So one hundred percent. Earth sixty five. Wait, which uh, one? The one where she's a singer in French. Yeah, where she's a musician. Oh wait, I was thinking of the sorry sixteen ten version. Oh, uh, I all I remember is cringing so hard at <laughs> that arc. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> Even as a kid, I thought it was so funny. Well, if Zoe Kravitz voices Earth sixty five Felicia, well, she's a musician, and you know her dad is a musician. Yeah. That would be full circle. Yeah. Speaking of Zoe Kravitz, it leads us nicely into our the Batman segment. Um, <laughs> Finally. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you love Zoe Kravitz... Watch the Batman. Everybody watch the Batman. It's a very good film. Please watch the Batman. <laughs> um, Harvey Dent. <laughs> Can we trust it? <laughs> Wait, wrong Batman. Um, uh, uh, ah, I'll give the power back to the people. Is that the right one? No, no. I think I'll get really it had Bane say that out loud. I, I can't. The people. Time to go mobile. That's the, <laughs> not to derail back into Batman talk. I know it's not the yeah, podcast for this, Batman. but I think I'm the only person that quotes maybe weekly or monthly the, the Bane quote of, Time to go mobile. <laughs> I think it's the funniest thing. Even that was, I was dying in a theater of laughter. I thought that was so funny. It wasn't supposed to be, obviously. But I thought it was so funny. And it's so fun to say. And it's so catchy. You can use it at any time because you have to go somewhere all the time. It's a perfect line from any movie ever. Yeah, it's not. It's delivered like a pun, but it, it's, not a, it's not a pun. 
Yeah. <laughs> All of his delivery is delivered like a pun. <laughs> the people. <laughs> Time to go mobile. He's wondering why you shoot a man before throwing him out of a plane. Yeah, this, <laughs> is that a punchline? This, What's happening? This tangent has been worth it for your Bane impression. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> but can any of you do Kevin Conroy? Um, yeah, he sounds a little bit like this. I'm the Batman! Harvey <laughs> <laughs> Dent, can we trust him? <laughs> uh, nobody does Batman better than Kevin Conroy. I did. Kevin, That's right. Yeah, yeah. Even even when he's in bad Batman things, you can rely on Kevin Conroy Ooh. for a good Batman performance. Yeah, he even showed up yeah. in the uh, Arrowverse Crisis on Infinite Earths as a live action uh, Batman of a different reality. As somebody who fell off on Flash season three, I am increasingly confused by whatever's going on at the CW. Yeah, Kevin Conroy's Batman in the Arrowverse. Um, well, the alternate version. Yeah, he became a serial killer after he succeeded in killing the Joker. Wow. It's awesome. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he even killed soups. Oh, no. Um, well, that's not super. Um. Man. And he dies. Yeah. <laughs> um, if, if you think about it, um, Batman is, is really a lot like uh, DC's Spider-Man Noir. That's always been my thought. Mm. Good segue. <laughs> <laughs> um, Except the only Batman who uses guns is Thomas Wayne and Ben Affleck. Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I hear that there's a lot of Batman using guns. Although I will say that even amongst Spider people, um, Spider-Man was pretty, pretty unique in his whole shooting people thing <laughs> um, pretty out of left field i haven't read many spider-man noir comics in fairness um outside mm. of really right on this podcast um so i found that too much so was this a good segue to spider-man noir because it's mine i'm gonna say it's good but feel free to judge i think everyone's doing a great job mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we all have we all have great segues right now <laughs> yeah so yeah spider-man noir here by Nicolas Cage, he gave a much more comedic performance because the only other Spider-Man noir adaptation was by Milo Ventimiglia from the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon, and he was much more brooding there than Nicolas Cage's version. Yeah. I kind of wish... Because I'm, I'm a huge noir Marvel fan. I love noir Marvel and Ultimate because I'm basic. But um, I really wish they kind of leaned more into the brooding side of this Spider-Man just for... Because I think it would be a fun contrast. Because they kind of lean into it, but it's so, so clearly satirically comedic that I wish there was like a more subtle satire. While everyone, like if he took himself very seriously without the comedy of Nick Cage like chewing it up and everyone else reacting in a okay type of way, I think I would have enjoyed it more. But rather than that, I was, it's still a good version. And just, I guess I'm biased. Yeah, you, you want to see a film that faithfully adapts the noirish. Uh, self-serious elements without it doing it for jokes and quips yeah well i don't mind it being for jokes but i want the character not to be so in on the joke or at least not the uh the actor to play it as if they're not in on the joke i guess right that's fair yeah i hear that he's so stereotypically 1930s here fighting nazis and drinking uh cream nogs or, or cream nogs yeah <laughs> whatever sure yeah i mean anybody who punches nazis they can do whatever they want I have no issues with using guns. Go for it. Great stuff. Thumbs up from me. 
But yeah, not a lot of uh, Spider-Man noir here other than him trying to figure out how the Rubik's Cube works. Yeah, I can't believe that was his art. <laughs> Damn, yeah. It's not, yeah. Um, yeah, we don't get much help, much, much more of him than that. It's the boxing thing. He has the, bo- that's his fighting yeah. style. He's a boxer. Oh, yeah. That's kind of a problem for all of the Spider characters that aren't like the main three. Like with Penny, she, it, they act like she has an arc by the end when she loses her spider, but at the same time, not really. Like it's it's just a random thing that happens to her, and it's kind of sad. But it's a character that I just do not know because there's no any type of like character progression for her, any type of character representation. She's just there, kind of as a filler spot. It's kind of it's very disappointing because the design's cool and I love like the anime styling of it and everything and Kimiko Glenn does a great performance but it's all just I think you could sum it all up in like under a minute which yeah. is very sad. Yeah. And did you know Cindy Moon was supposed to be their Asian American spider but they wanted to use Penny. Uh that might uh I don't know how to react to that. It's not a great way of That's not a great way of looking at it. That's not That's so good. Uh yeah. I think if that's if they really replace Penny or with uh, Cindy Moon with Penny, um, I think that's a weird thing for them to do. Regis, uh, because why, I don't know why they th- see them both as interchangeable like that, just because they're Asian. That's very weird to me, uh, especially with the way they do play up uh, Penny Parker as like this anime style animation and everything. So it, I don't know. That's weird to me, but. Uh, I'm not going to read into it. Is is bad, and <laughs> and it's an egregious adaptation because there is like one issue. There were, okay, there's two issues now, right? But for uh, before this was one issue, right? It was uh, it was written by Gerard Way. Uh, it's mm. from the Edge of Spider Verse miniseries, which introduced Gwen as well, right? Yeah. Um, and it's it's anime, but it's like older it's angstier like yeah. sort of more young adult type anime inspired right sorry to interrupt but in the comic like the evangelion kids are actually in the background so the the right. inspirations are very clearly that era right and and they took that and then went what if we did a really stereotypical anime <laughs> what if we did tacky and and like and 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 they do the same thing with gwen uh, with, with the feminine, they make the character more like stereotypically feminine, and 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 these other things. And you're like, you're like, if you re- like t- t- watching it at first, you think, oh, this is funny. But then when you realize what they did, they like, they, they, yeah, they they like they did some some really wild character decisions to get to this point yeah. with the characters that feel wrong. Even with a uh, Penny's mech, um, it's in the comics. It's this you know big red intimidating robot, but then here it's all cutesy and stuff. And these are all issues I wouldn't have as much of a problem with. I might have other people, like if the Asian community that was watching it were super offended, I would obviously hear that out and join them uh, in whatever stance they have. But just from a like a passive viewer in this case, in my perspective, I don't, I, I see, I, I understand it's a problem and everything, but I wouldn't have as much of a problem with it if there was actual arc or characterization that went into the character. Because we know nothing about Penny. We know nothing about her relationship with her spider except for that she loves it and then it dies, I guess. Or the mech for the spider dies. Uh, no, only her mech dies. The spider lived. The spider was controlling the mech, right? So the spider doesn't even die. The mech's just destroyed. And if there is some separate relationship between the spider and the mech, it's not really stated in any kind of way. 
So we basically have this shell of a character that's just a giant stereotype. And then she's shooed away, even though she has an emotional moment. So I don't I don't know if they had to like change stories or something, but if they had to cut out anybody, they should have cut out Spider-Ham, if I'm being honest. Like <laughs> all I love John Mulaney, but he was just there to be, hey, we could do anything here, and then uh, you know, get thrown around to have some fun. But that's what all the other characters are doing anyway. So get Spider-Man out of the, or Spider-Ham out of there. That saves like three, two minutes of screen time. Give that to Penny Parker or even Spider-Man Noir. Because neither of them are developed. Spider-Ham has more of an arc than either of them somehow. I don't understand what's happening here. I'm very upset all of a sudden. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, he did have cartoon logic during the fight. That's what I'm saying. What was Penny like? What was Penny Parker's big moment? I can't name a single thing. When she hit the scorpion with one of the mech's legs. That's it? She's in the mech. Shouldn't she be shooting like huge torpedoes or something? If you're going to play up the anime style, at least like do like a Kamikamiha type of thing or something. <laughs> Anything. We're not getting anything from this character. And I, I, I just like, I think it's just, I'm so animated and ranting about it because. You went from I have no problems. That's <laughs> how <laughs> so every conversation goes with me, unfortunately. I'm so sorry. And but... she also rebuilt the goober. So. She, she did rebuild going. the goober. Yeah, there is yeah, a fun but... bit where she rebuilds the goober to like in really intense music. That's fun. So then she's literally just here as a plot device, which. It, that's not cool to me. I, if you're going to have a character in as a plot device and they're not like Joe Chill or someone, I think they should have some type of character development or arc. And the fact she says next to no words. Meanwhile, Spider-Man Noir gets to go on these huge monologues and stuff. And same with Spider-Ham. Everyone else gets to say something except for Penny Parker. So something's going on there that I don't like. And now that you mentioned that she just replaced uh, Cindy Moon, it just makes me more annoyed. <laughs> yes. Yeah, um, but around that great movie. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I I do like the the animation stuff they do with the uh, with Noir as PDR and Spider Ham, where they have them all have like different animation styles that look out of place within the universe in a way that's mm-hmm. quite different from the main three. Um, I think that's a really neat neat idea. But I think the drive to have like three different animation styles on top of like what they were already doing sort of pushed them towards putting three characters in that they didn't really have enough time <laughs> and didn't really develop very much and yeah. and made some unfortunate say unfortunate made some deliberate decisions it seems <laughs> uh, with their adaptation that were not good um so yeah i was i was a little, little bit yeah I was a little bit peeved by by how that sort of went in the end I guess all of these uh, different art styles was probably testing grounds for Across the Spider-Verse. Yeah, probably. (laughs) And I also should emphasize that I don't know about the Silk Cindy Moon situation. So any listener, don't get like up in arms and everything. Do your own research and everything. And I'm not calling for cancellation or that the movie's bad all of a sudden. It's just, you know, if we don't bring up these criticisms and talk about them, then we're just going to continue to get them in the future. It's okay to like problematic things and acknowledge at the same time that they could do better. That's so, fair. Sorry, that's the yeah. cap I got on that. <laughs> well, Cindy's going to good... show up in the uh, Spider-Women movie um, when and if it gets off the ground. Well, she's supposed to have her own TV show, wasn't she? Oh, yeah, on yes. Amazon Prime, but live action. Is yeah. that in production? Like, are they making that right now? Yeah, I it's think... in development. So it's like getting written still, probably. Yeah. Okay. I think it's, it's behind Madam Web still. So we'll see. Yeah, good for Cindy there. Oh yeah, on she that deserves front. it. Yeah, just as long as they don't do her skeevy origin. Yeah, I think they'll skip over that. 
Cindy Moon had a, had an origin? I, I, oh, I remember her yeah. just jumping in with the Dennis Hopeless run. That's, uh, you know that's all I remember. I agree with you. I don't remember anything else. I could... Oh, are you talking about like the whole like ghost spider thing where she's like a villain or something? Is that her origin? <laughs> I was making a joke. Uh, no, no, I'm with you. Uh, I'm on your side. Oh, yeah, you're <laughs> on the, on the same page. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay, I think uh, um, let's move on to our very last spider, 2099. Yeah. We got nothing. <laughs> we got literally nothing from him, but he was still great. And I'm very excited to see how Oscar Isaac pulls it off in the next movie. It's such a good casting. I'm oh, yeah. I'm very much looking forward to more Spider-Man 2099. Because yeah. the stuff they were doing there, like they had his little his hologram friend and um and and had Oscar Isaac and yeah. Um I mean for all, for me that's all I needed. <laughs> <laughs> he was just getting into a pointing argument with the uh, 1967 Spidey. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was hilarious. Yeah. Also, the the AI voice, uh, Lila, is voiced by Greta Lee, who I like a lot as an actor. She was in, um, uh, what's it called? Russian Doll. Yeah, Russian Doll, the Netflix show. Uh, so she's a very funny person. So I'm very excited to see more of her. Yeah. And hopefully her and Oscar Isaac like, really bounce off each other more. Because they tease that a little bit, so I'm hoping that's something that's actually very prominent in the next film. Yeah, I think um it's implied that um in the uh, teaser that Gwen's web watch might have come from 2099, or he built it for her. Yeah, that makes sense. I am also wondering why in the next movie 2099 is like after Miles. So there's I have a lot of questions about the next movie, so I'm excited about it. I I, I want them to do the thing with the inheritors hunting the spider people across the multiverse, yeah. but it's, it's just Morlin. It's just Morlin. That's exactly what I want to. Morlin deserves his chance to shine on screen, and this is the only time he could possibly get it. I think there were rumors that the villain, well, one of the villains was going to be the spot. Oh, that'd be cool. I like the spot, too. That makes sense. The dude with the holes? Yeah. yeah. The Swiss cheese guy? Yeah. <laughs> The, the dude who imprisoned Kindred in the Nick Spencer run? Yep. I don't know about that. Oh, yeah, yeah, that happened. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Man, yeah, I, I don't see him as a big multiverse villain, but but okay. I'm willing to hear Lord of Miller out on it, so. Listen, he has spots. I think if um if he weaponized his portals. Yeah. Also, a fun villain. He just yeah. hops around, opens holes. <laughs> what, more? <laughs> what more can you want from a guy? <laughs> the first... Yeah. <laughs> Um, the only time the spot's been used in media was um in the uh, Marvel Spider-Man cartoon and in the uh, I think the '94 series. Yeah, probably. I wouldn't be surprised if we got him in the next video game too, because I think there's a lot of potential there. It'd be hard to pull off, but I could see them pulling it off. Yeah, I mean, they, if they if they could do it in Portal, they can do it. They can do it in, in the Insomniac games. I'm sure they they may, they will figure it out. Yeah. It's been like a decade, maybe two. Time is passing too quickly. <laughs> Might have been two decades. Oh my well, god! The sequel comes out next year, doesn't it? Well, um, uh, the the video game sequel. Oh, the Spider Man. Yeah, they both come out next year, don't they? Well, Across the Spider Verse Part Two comes out next year. Um, Part One was supposed to be next month, but goddamn COVID pushed it to October. Yeah, fuck COVID. I could forgive a lot of things, but pushing back Spider Verse Two. Part one, not, no, I can't. I can excuse millions of deaths, but I draw the line when when my favorite piece of media gets delayed. 
This one's out for all the community fans out there. <laughs> I think communities, communities. I, I feel like Lord and Miller would have worked on it, but then I realized they hadn't. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't. Everyone else did. That's because there were no cops. Uh, the, the only no, there's an episode with the cops. They make fun of them, though. like it's not, it's not the same. <laughs> uh, Twenty One Jump Street makes fun of cops. I don't know. Yeah, it's um. Did you know that um last week was um National Pig Day, and then um during SNL, Michael Che joked that when he told the pig that he got handcuffed. <laughs> oh boy, that's pretty good. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, yeah. We, we got we got any more thoughts on um characters from in, uh, from Into the Spider Verse? I scream so much. I feel like everyone knows my <laughs> point of view on it now. I love this yeah. movie. It's one of the best comic book movies of all time. It's the best Spider-Man movie still, even with all my criticism and concerns and everything. Um, it's a quality film. And I love what they did with Miles and Gwen and Peter B. Parker. And I'm super excited to see where it goes. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite Spider movie. I think I said I cannot emphasize that enough. <laughs> I can't wait to see how Gwen's used in Across the Spider-Verse. And uh, for the record, during the Oscars, I shouted so loud <laughs> when it won. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, that's nice. I, I yeah, it's like I think I think it's probably my favorite Spider film. I, I I have a lot of good feelings about No Way Home, but I'm sure like in a couple of months they will have died sort of they simmered down a bit, and I'm able to sort of uh look back at them in an even footing. But yeah, Spy Into the Spider Verse, really really good film. Um, I I know I know I spent a lot of time criticizing things, but like I had more to say about the things that I didn't like than the things that I did like, which which did yeah. outnumber the things I didn't like. So, um, it's very, it is it is a very very good film and it's very very solid. Like it is, it is much less issues than your average spider film i think a lot of the issues stem from the fact it's adapting a lot of stuff at once yeah. um yeah. Uh, whereas you know there's more they have to make more decisions so there's more room for stuff to get lost um or done bad um so um but yeah like by and large very 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 good film uh, and and yeah. it's just just even at a base level very good films to just look at it's just it's just a nice just just a really 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 good animation style oh, yeah. just it's beautiful yeah. fantastic and if you just get the art book to accompany the movie it's going to be the best 50 bucks you ever spent <laughs> what's that in real money uh, uh sorry uh pounds or even u.s dollars mm, i can't remember because i bought because the book was released uh two years ago and i bought mine for 50 bucks Okay. Yeah, I don't believe in British currency, so I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it'd, be, it'd be nearly thirty quid if you buy it in Britain. Then, uh, if we translate it to the uh, United States dollar, it's thirty-eight dollars seventy-nine cents. So, okay, so best at thirty slash thirty-eight slash fifty bucks you'll ever spend. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um. Exactly. Yeah. No. I. I. Yeah. Art style's solid. Yeah. I agree. So, um, does that uh wrap up our uh, Into the Spider Verse episode? Because we kind of gave all of our uh concluding thoughts just sprinkled throughout the characters. I think we did. Yeah. yeah we gave some at the end there. Okay. So uh, just before the spiel, um, Evan, is there anything that you want to plug in before we sign out? Yes, please. I would love to plug first and foremost. Uh. God, no, myself. Uh, <laughs> uh, you can follow me at Twitter at Evan Reads Comics. I'd be talking about comics all the time, and I'm usually very nice. And I get one mean tweet 
a week I allow myself for. So hopefully mm-hmm. you don't come on that day. You could also follow my podcast at What's Next Comics at What's Next Comics on Twitter. Uh, we just do monthly podcasts where we talk about solicitations that are coming up in the next three months. Uh, it's very fun. Um, and, you know, come join. And if you want to support things I like, you can always go and check out uh, Victor Lavelle's Sabretooth miniseries that's going on right now. It's amazing. I'm having a great time. I was very surprised by that. And uh, yes, I think that's everything I can think of right now. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Oh, wait, no. One last thing. Sorry. If you have HBO Max or if you can pay money to watch it, you have to go watch Drive My Car from 2021. It's a beautiful film. I watched it last week. I cried for an hour afterwards. It was very cathartic. Um, and it's beautiful. It's three hours, so like brace yourself, but you have to go watch it. And if I don't plug it, um, I would punch myself in the face later. So please go watch it. Wow. All right. Cool. 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 Yeah. I, I uh, just just on that note, Evan's podcast, uh, What's Next, is like one of the best comic podcasts uh, out at the moment. It's very, very accessible. If you're not reading comics, but you'd like to, or you want to hear comic news, What's Next is for you. It's very good. And uh, Evan and Dallas, like the two most charming dudes on comic twitter so that's uh, so yeah. kind and i'm just so happy to be in like equal company i love this podcast mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun it's you guys you don't give yourself enough credit because i don't read ghostfire that much but it's very accessible so you're doing a fabulous job abigail and Pax. so thank you so much for having me oh thank you evan thank you we hold your opinion in very high esteem i'm glad <laughs> All right. Yeah. So um yeah, next week it's finally here after a year and 6 <laughs> days of waiting. Well, cuz th- by the time this episode drops, Gwenverse number 1 is going to be released. So that's what we're going to be doing next week. It's it's Gwenverse time. Uh new Gwen 65 content. Um I, I know we didn't do a, a week Gwen update, <laughs> but uh that some news did come out um that s- seemed somewhat positive like some of the stuff in the reviews seemed like they were hitting the right beats like it was maintaining some kind of continuity with uh gwen versus carnage so um we'll see how that goes um but yeah uh excitement apprehension excitement nervousness yeah either way the day is finally here yeah (laughs) oh (laughs) oh yeah i wasn't expecting that that's awesome (laughs) let's go Let's go. No, you um, have no idea how long we've been waiting for Gwen sixty five canon content. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, my I'm, my eye twitching will finally go away now. <laughs> yeah. So um, so yeah, if you wanted to uh, send in your thoughts on Gwenverse number one, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at GS Groupies, or you can email us ghostspidergroupies at gmail dot com. Go pre-order the book. It's going to mean a lot to us. Yeah. Yeah, like for the first time ever, you will be reading a Gwen 65 comic at the same time as us. Like, I say the same time, like the same week as us. So um, that'll that'll be interesting. It'll be, it'll be very new, be fresh. Um, and we'll be, we'll be having to guess where it's going as well in a way where we haven't had to in the past. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, you get to uh, experience us, uh, you know, um, love it, complain, speculate. <laughs> <laughs> Crying, shaking, throwing up. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, and I forgot we also have a coffee page if you want to uh, help us uh, with the uh, Podbean subscription. If you want to chuck in a few bucks just to help us with the upkeep, that would be much appreciated. Yeah. Yes, please. Yes, please. But um, anyway, um, thanks everyone uh, for this week. I've been Abigail. And I've been Pax. And I'm going mobile. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, kids, anyone can wear the mask. That's a good way to end it. And I'm Batman. There you go.